Um, good morning. Um, good to see you again. Um, Jonathan is going to come up and read the passage for us here in just a second. Um, But before he does that, I wanted to give you um, just a little bit of a sense of a way that we can sort of listen to the passage. Um, And just want to acknowledge, like I know, like this is only my second time ever here at at North Cross, but obviously a lot of beloved people here and know Sid and Tear well and just have a sense of it's been a hard season for you guys as a church looking for a pastor and talking with people from your committee just knowing that there's been lots of ups and downs with that and these things can be wearying and we're also at the time of year where a lot of transitions are happening like imagining your church without the Perezes you're, that's something that you're gonna have to do the Perezes moving into a new place and transitioning um, seasons of transition are really difficult and so um, I picked this passage just as a blessing for you um, to be reminded of how God orients to us. Um, But I want to tell you about um, someone that I knew. So when I was in college, I came to faith um, in RUF. I went to Georgia Southern, and I had an RUF intern that she was really meaningful into my life. Her name was Erin. Erin was from the Delta in Mississippi. And when she was in high school, she was pretty wild. She partied a lot. My understanding is it's a really good party situation in the Delta in Mississippi. Um, Like the blues is good, the barbecue is good, the partying is good, my my understanding. But she used to sneak out a lot, and she thought every time she snuck back in the house that her mom never knew that her mom was always asleep and that she was really good at sneaking in and out. But um, one night she had gone out and and was partying. Like going out and partying is not the biggest deal in the world, but... um, she came back home and she snuck in quietly into the house and as she was going past the living room she heard a faint sobbing in the living room and the lights were turned down really low in the living room her mom was in there and because every time Aaron snuck out her mom always knew some of you guys are moms you know what this is like also you're thinking back on when you were in high school and you snuck out and you're like oh man maybe she knew the whole time um and you should ask her um and uh her mom was, was, was sobbing, but this, this time she, didn't, she hadn't heard Aaron come in, and so that's why she had kept the light on. And so Aaron kind of like snuck close to the door, and she could hear her mom gently sobbing, and she was praying for Aaron out loud. And as Aaron stood in the doorway, she heard her mom talking to God about her, and her mom didn't know that she had overheard her. And she counts that moment as being like sort of this huge transition moment for her. Because what she realized in that moment wasn't that like, oh, she was doing all this terrible stuff and that she needed to stop. What she was overcome by was how much her mom loved her and um, how much her mom's heart was hurting for her and how much her mom was able to take that love for her to God. And uh, that moment changed her life. So as we hear from Jonathan, he's going to come up and read the passage. You good first, Jonathan? Um, also, I may have called you Jordan like three times, and I don't think so, but just I've called, all the Perez boys have the start, name start with J. Um, but as you hear the passage, I want to invite you, you can uh, read along in your bulletin if you want. Um, you can close your eyes um, and, and hear 
Um, but as you do, I want you to imagine that you're like Aaron. Because what this passage is, is us overhearing Jesus talking to the Father and praying for his friends and for everyone that would come to believe in him. So he's praying for us. And we are sort of standing at the doorway overhearing what he has to say to the Father. So. All right, this is John 17. This is the word of the Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the Son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. But they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, and they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. So when we're in a season of transition or things are happening that feel out of control, um, I think sometimes it can be really helpful to be reminded that there's bigger things going on, that we are one part of something that's greater because our world becomes so small. I've, I don't know that I've ever been in a church 
that didn't feel like this church kind of feels like it's the only church in town. You know what I'm saying? Like I've worked at a church and I can tell you when you're on staff at a church, it's like only what's happening in the church you're working at is the only thing that matters sometimes. Um, of course, we know that that's not true, um, but it's, it's normal and easy for us to get in that place. And we need to be reminded that, hey, God is actually much bigger than this and doing something bigger. Um, my favorite movie is Jurassic Park. I don't know what that says about me, but it is. Um, and you can make of that what you will. Um, the first thing I ever saved up to buy with my own money was when Jurassic Park came out on VHS. I pre-ordered it from Hollywood Video and I saved up $18.99 and I bought it on VHS. And I've watched it many times since then. And um, one of my favorite scenes in Jurassic Park, you may have seen it, um, is when Dr. Ellie Sattler, who's played by Laura Dern, she's in this Jeep and she and some of her colleagues have been taken to Jurassic Park, but they don't know that they recreated dinosaurs there. You know, it seems like it would be kind of like in the name, you might guess, but um, they go and they're, they're riding in this Jeep and she has picked a, a leaf and she's looking at it and she's saying, this is impossible, this, uh, this species, she's a botanist, this species has been extinct since like the Cretaceous period or whatever. And as she's looking down at this leaf and then one of the other characters grabs her head and like pulls her head up because like standing right in front of them is this gigantic brontosaurus, you know, like the dinosaur with the long neck. And she hasn't even seen it, right? Something that's actually way more, uh, you know, troublesome and huge and awe-inspiring is right there, but she just hasn't lifted up her face to see it yet. Because literally what she's looking at in her hand is the most consequential thing that's ever happened in her life. And yet there's something even bigger and more consequential to us, uh, to her. Um, when my kids were little, me and my wife used to say this thing like, they would say, can I have ice cream? And we'd say no, and then they would lose their minds. Um, and we used to say to each other, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to them <laughs> over the course of their life. And so like, we can be empathetic toward, to that. Um, I want you to think of a gift. Like we, we know that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift um, and that all that we have is a gift. Um, you may be here and you're like, actually, I don't buy that, and that's, that's totally fine too, but um, I want you to imagine a gift that if God were to give it to you, you would think, it's actually too, too big. I, I can't accept that. Um, a couple of months ago, someone in our church gave us money to buy a new car, like a new car, not like a new-to-us car, and I was like, I kind of felt like this is, I can't accept this too much. I want you to imagine a gift that God could give you that you would think, that's too much. Um, like maybe a planet, you know? God said, I want you to have this planet. You'd probably be like, I don't know if, know if I'm up to that. Maybe you're like planetary, you know, ownership is something that you feel like is, you can handle that. Um, but imagine a gift that's, that's so big. This prayer of Jesus is him asking his father for gifts for you and me um, that are hard to imagine if we really think about them. Um, there's, it's like beyond receiving a planet. Um, and all of the gifts that Jesus prays for for us, at, at no point in any of this prayer does he say, Father, if they do these things, would you please give them this gift? 
He just says, I want you to please give them all these things. And the thing is, the Father loves to do what the Son asks him to do. So here's some of the things. And all I want to do is mention some of these to you, and hopefully um, they, give, they give you what you need during transition to stay close with God and with each other. Um, Jesus prays in verse 2 and 3 for eternal life for us. He says, uh, glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. He is here to give you eternal life. I don't know how that strikes you. You're like, you know, living this life seems like long enough. Why would I want to do this <laughs> perpetually? Like maybe you've seen that far side comic where it's like a guy sitting on a cloud with wings and a harp and he's thinking, I should have brought a magazine. You know, he's going to be here for a while. Um, part of what I love about what Jesus says here as he's giving us this gift of eternal life is he says what it is. He says in verse 8, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When Jesus says that he has come for us to have eternal life, um, he's not talking about, chiefly about a life that goes on forever where you never have to die, even though that's true. And that's a great and beautiful hope for us, especially when we've lost someone that we care about. He's talking about the kind of life that we have. And that the kind of life that God gives us is one where we know God. Now, many of us think that knowing God is knowing stuff about God, like knowing concepts about God. But that's not what Jesus is, is talking about. He's not saying, I'm saving you that for eternity you can have a really super robust theology of who God is and how he works. Even though theology is good, beautiful, I'm, I think my record would say I'm, I'm for it. Um, but this is a knowing that is a visceral knowing. The way that you know somebody that's not facts about them, but a felt and lived and very real knowing of them in your being. He says in 20 and 21, he starts to get at this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, which is you if you're here and you know Jesus, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. What Jesus is asking the Father for and what the Father gives is so that, is that we can be in God the way, and He be in us, the way Jesus and the Father are together. Like Jesus has come to make it so that you can live inside of God. So that you can know God from the inside out. That you can stand with God and exist with God in a way that is completely exposed, where nothing is held back, and be really, really happy and experience his delight and return that delight to him. 
Um, there's this old Greek word called perichoresis, which you don't have to remember. But what it means is, as God is Father, Son, and Spirit, each of those persons live within one another. That they enter one another and are held by one another. They don't lose who they are, but they, but they go inside of each other and receive the other inside of them. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put this out there and we'll move on quickly from it. Um, when a mommy and daddy love each other, okay, um, they are joined together. And of course, that is emotional and spiritual, but it's also a, a, a physical joining where there's a receiving and a giving. Um, you, it would not mean that you were thinking something you shouldn't if you, if you got a sense of that in this. That's part of what Jesus, he's saying, that level of intimacy and knowing and delight is exactly what Jesus came to bring us into and is God's desire for us. And when you think about, you know, when a mommy and daddy love each other, um, what, what does it take for us to offer ourselves in that way? A fondness for the other and a respect for them, a sense of safety. If we're going to be exposed to someone and they actually really see us, which nobody, no matter how close we are, ever actually really sees us completely. We don't know how to offer that to them yet. Um, but think about how you have to feel about that person in order to welcome them into like you being exposed. That is a, a taste of how God feels about us. That the reason why Jesus came wasn't to like save you from sin so that you didn't have to die again, but so that he could welcome you inside of himself that you could share a life that is beyond intimate with him. Because his delight is in us. Jesus, the name that Jesus gets is Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible starts, God is with his people in the garden. The Bible ends, God is with his people in the garden city. The Gospels start, and they say, you're going to call him Emmanuel, God's with us. The Gospel of Matthew ends, and Jesus says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I could, I guess, stop talking and just say, God really wants to be with you and to know you deeply and for you to know him um, in the deepest intimacy. And this just is. Like, if you, if you look at verse 23, actually, when Jonathan was reading, it's like jumped off, I just underlined it. I and them and you and me, that they may be become perfectly one so that the world may know. Listen to this. If you heard nothing else, I mean, some of you guys have heard this passage. I've heard it a million times. Imagine you're hearing this for the first time. So that they'll know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Like, if you say to someone other than your spouse, I love you just like I love my spouse, that's awkward. Um, potentially a, a problem, um, right? <laughs> someone said, yep, okay, yep. Just uh, acknowledge that. You may want to just re-examine some things that are going on. Um, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Make them one with us so that they will know that you love them like you love me. What does the father love more than his son? Right. 
literally nothing. And you might be thinking, that sounds like it's a little too strongly worded. It's, maybe you got a better translation than, than I do. This just is something, because it depends on God. This is not something that we do. It's not something that we're moving toward. It's not something that we create. Like when he says, I want them to become perfectly one, like he wants us to be one with him, but, and he, he says that is so. He also says, you are perfectly one. Meaning, you are united to every single person. If you know Jesus, you are one with every single other person that knows Jesus, including all the ones that already died. And including all the ones that ever will come, you are already one with them. Now, this starts to freak me out because I'm an only child. Any other only children in the house? Let's go, Max. All right, this, this me and my, and you. All right, a couple of only, we can talk later. <laughs> now, if you're an only child, you always have a sneaking suspicion that you're actually optional um, and that there's something going on that you aren't actually part of. Like, I kind of hate it for you, Max. You're not only married to someone with a sibling, you're married to a twin, okay? So it's like, they have something going on that it's like, you're like, I'm optional to that. They look alike. When Re Rebecca waved at me earlier, I thought it was Izzy. I didn't think it was Rebecca. And I've known Rebecca a long time. Um, only children are like, we can't access the feeling of being a sibling. And so I always feel like there's something else that's going on. This is why I always have to apologize to my kids like every single day because they fuss at each other a lot. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's your sister. And they're like, yeah, I know. She's annoying. Um, <laughs> I wish she would get out of my room and stop making that noise. Stop chewing her mouth open. Um, and I'm like, but <laughs> there's only two people ever that are going to be that for you. Like, don't you want that to be, like, amazing? And they're like, you don't understand. I'm like, you're right. And I go back to my only child shame. Um, <laughs> what amazes me about siblings, and this is going to sound, like, obvious, is that they just are related. Like, you could never talk again. And you're still related. Like, I've been through some, a hard season with one of my parents, and they cut their relationship off a couple years ago. And that has been hard. But, like, they're never going to stop being my parents. It's not like they're just replaced with a different parent. Like, it just is. That's what Jesus is saying about your oneness with other Christians. Like, you can live like that's true and allow your soul to be, like, close to others and live your life in dependence on others. Or you can act like it's not true and you just are the captain of your own ship, but it doesn't change the fact of what is. Because things that are from God's perspective are how they are. You can't get more one with God or with the rest of Jesus' people. And I just find that to be, number one, gigantic, and I can't even begin to understand it. And two, like a profound relief. Because it's like not up to you to like initiate something. Like we treat God like he is like this inert gas. And then when we come to him, like we provide the spark that like ignites him. When in fact, 
like he is doing everything and we are simply like responding to what he's doing. All right, last thing. Verse 22, another crazy thing that's like a big brontosaurus. Um, Verse 22, the glory, Jesus says to the Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The glory, Jesus is like, Father, you gave me this glory. Glory, like we only use the word glory when we're talking about like football teams and God. Um, But it's appropriate that in the Old Testament, there's a word called kabod for glory and it means for something to be really heavy. The football team is really heavy, so it's easy to remember that. Um, that like when if I if I drop, you know, that chalice into this baptismal font, it will splash water everywhere because that chalice is weightier than this water, so it will displace it. Jesus is saying the cabo, like the glory that you've given to me, I have given it to them. Meaning, the thing that makes God God. Jesus is like, yeah, I gave it to them. You ever give like your kid something or like a friend something and you're like, this is really important and they're like, sure it is. I gave it, I don't know, I gave it to somebody else. Like, oh, was that important? Like, here, hold this, hold my credit card. And they're like, I gave it to that guy. He, you know, he seemed okay. Um, He's gone now. Um, Jesus gives us this thing to make us substantial with God. And we just get it. My intern, her name's Slayton, she was showing me a picture the other day of her mom and her grandma. And she was like, guess how old my grandma is? Now, which means they're older than you think that they are, right? So I was like, I went, I was like 72. She was like, she's 85. And I was like, wow. And I said, she has great skin. Um, Like, exceptional skin. And she said, yeah, that's where I get it from. That's how I got it. It just got passed down. Jesus is saying that the glory of God that he has received is ours. And I don't even know what that means. Um, And in order to do all this and make all this possible, and you're like, that sounds too good. I don't know that I can depend on it. Jesus prayed twice more. This is the night before he went to the cross, by the way. He goes up to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays, Father, if there's another way that they can get all these gifts besides me going to the cross, definitely show me that way. Um, And he doesn't get another way. And then he goes to the cross to make all this stuff happen and God withdraws from him that oneness. God removes from him that glory. God takes away that closeness. He takes away his union with all the other people besides the women because that's the difference between men friends and women friends is your man friends are going to be gone but the women friends will still be there. Um, And he says, my God, my God, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? He did all that so that we could have all this. Um, And so I want to take just a second to sit with that before we come before we sing before we come to the table and sit with that with God and ask him like again like your Aaron 
and you're listening to Jesus pray for you, what do you, where do you go from there? What do you do? Let's take a moment. Lord, we open ourselves to you, the, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Lord, show us how to move in response to what you've just told us.